Does your fellowship issue a challenge to pull those around you to a deeper walk with God? Or do you find strength in isolation? Are you ready to face the truth? Face the Truth is the weekly podcast from the Truth Church of Olathe, Kansas, with our pastor and Bible teacher, Bishop Gregory Riggin. Thank you to everyone who is listening. I trust that today's episode will be a blessing to all those who tune in. Direction is key. Bishop Riggin breaks down the importance of understanding the direction that your fellowship is headed. It is essential that you use the Word of God as your compass, rather than leaning on the thoughts and opinions of men alone. Join us as Bishop Riggin unveils simple truths that will help you maintain good, godly fellowship. Again, it's something I get criticized for. Even people that come to this church, sometimes folks feel like I am too tolerant, that I allow too much. But I keep checking the direction. Are they going in the right direction? They're not at the destination I want them to be, but who is? Right. I'm not even at the destination I want to be. So I feel like I can be more tolerant if I see they're headed the right direction. People don't understand that because people that do have these, these lines in the sand that, boy, if you allow this, don't expect me to fellowship you. They can't understand where I'm coming from. Now, I've been to meetings where men were stronger on some things than I am. What if they had the same attitude everyone wants me to take? There are times that those meetings impacted me and caused me to rethink things. So obviously, by them allowing me, as someone who didn't believe it as strong, to come to their meeting, it changed me because of the direction I was headed. And if they would have had this attitude that you believe less than I do, therefore, I won't fellowship you, I would have never had that impact So there's almost, in some ways, a double standard that folks want me to draw this hard, fast line that they have to believe exactly what I believe in order for me to have fellowship. But I'm glad that not everybody has that attitude, and they sure don't mind. They don't mind me coming to their meeting, knowing that I don't believe exactly what they believe. But they want me to draw lines if people don't believe exactly what I believe. So this is where I see the double standard or inconsistency. I'm saying I'm thankful for the opportunities that I have to be with men that challenge me, that cause me to think, that cause me to pray, that cause me to search the Scripture. I may never buy into some of the things that they say, but... I might, it might change me. And it's because I'm headed in the same direction that they're headed. So this is to me where the whole question of fellowship goes. And I think that's where I'm different than most people because most people have this set list of guidelines. 
will only fellowship if you can check off A, B, C, D. Otherwise, we'll have nothing to do with you. And that's not my philosophy. My philosophy is we may not see everything eye to eye, but which way are you going? Are you reaching for the world? Are you trying to be more like the world? Are you hungry for a deeper move of God? If that's the case, I'm willing to extend fellowship. Again, until I see that it's having a negative impact. But as long as I feel like I and the church that I pastor are positively impacting them and we're helping to move them in the right direction, I'm willing to have fellowship there. Isn't that along the lines of the scripture you referenced earlier about light and darkness, about being unequally yoked together? If we're going the same direction, I'm willing to carry the burden with you. And if we don't agree on the message or if we have very uh, differences in our opinion and what we believe the Bible states for congregations or people we love, I'm not going to be willing to carry those things that we referenced earlier, earlier that are absent the presence of God. Right. Life's hard enough. The journey's hard enough. I'm not willing to put more on my family, my church, or anyone around me. Right. Right. And, and, and you know, the, the scripture that some of them may use is how can two walk together except they be, be agreed. But here's the thing. I don't think we have to agree on every detail. I think the question is, are we agreed in the direction we're going? Right. That's how we walk together. <laughs> mm-hmm. We walk together because we're both going the same direction. I may be carrying a heavier load than you. I may be working harder at getting there than you. Um, you may not be prepared for the climb that we're about to embark on. But if you see me approaching this mountain with all of this climbing gear, right. it might just make you wonder. Or if you see me getting ready to hit a rough patch and getting rid of some things to lighten my load and lay aside some weights, it might challenge you to do the same because we're both headed in the same direction. And to me, that's where we have to be agreed to walk together, not that we have to see eye to eye. Let's face it. I don't know of any married couple that ever got married and found out that they never disagreed on anything. Right. I don't know of any couple that ever got married and didn't learn at some point that they saw things differently than their spouse. And yet they walk together. How how do they do that if they're not seeing eye to eye? Well, they've got a common goal. So they're headed in the same direction. That's what I'm saying in all of this. That's where we need agreement. That's where we need unity in order to have fellowship is which way are we headed? Are we trying to become more like the early church? Are we trying to become more like Jesus Or are we trying to look more like the charismatics? Are we trying to adopt more of the worldly practices? What direction are you going? That is what determines fellowship for me. I was just going to mention something real briefly, and then we can move on to something else. But you preached the message about things coming from Egypt just recently. 
And if you look at someone's worship and you turn it over, if I could figuratively say this, and it says made in Egypt, that's a problem. It's a problem. If their preaching says made in Egypt, it's a problem. And if their sanctuary, their everything about them is made in Egypt, that's a problem. Yes. Yes. You know, this, this whole matter of direction, it, it's another message that I preached. It's been many years ago now. But I, I read, and I don't have the notes here in front of me, and this gets dangerous when you start <laughs> quoting things that you can't <laughs> cite. But I read where one man wrote that with ancient Israel, the cities of refuge, you know, they were there for those who were menslayers, but not murderers. They had not done this in a premeditated manner. They had killed somebody, but it wasn't out of anger and hatred. And, you know, it was one of those things that they didn't intend to, but they did. Well, the family would be pursuing this manslayer, which is what the Bible calls him, because they wanted vengeance. But if the manslayer ever made it to the city of refuge, he was protected I read where someone said that when you start studying these cities of refuge, there was a parameter around the city that if you were able to get within a certain distance, it would have been back then so many cubits, you know, whatever, but we would say so many feet or whatever it would be. If you got within a certain distance of that city, you were considered safe. And the avenger of blood was not allowed by Hebrew law to take your life. Even though you hadn't quite made it to the city, you were headed in that direction. And you were close enough that it was evident that's where you were going. But we also know that there's a situation where Abner is in the city of refuge and Joab comes to him and says, Hey, I want to talk to you. And he goes to the gate. He doesn't go outside the city. He's in the gate and Joab takes his life and is never punished for taking his life under Jewish law. This is my opinion. All right. My opinion is if the writer is correct, that there's a certain amount of distance for that man that's fleeing, trying to get to the city, that he's considered safe and the Avenger can't touch him. If that's true, and if it's true that Joab was within his rights to take Abner's life standing in the gate, then evidently what makes the difference is the direction. Yeah. Those that are headed to the city are protected before they ever get there. Mm. But those that are headed away from the city have no protection the moment they reach the threshold. This is why, to me, direction means everything. What direction is someone headed? And I want to determine that to help me determine my lines of fellowship. If they're headed in the wrong direction... I'm not going that way. We can't walk together. If you're headed in the same direction I am, you may not be as far down the road as I am. You may be further down the road than I am. But I'm willing to fellowship if we're headed in the right direction. So maybe an additional question 
one that I've been wondering during this conversation is why, why is church fellowship so important? You mentioned you find other men who are walking in the same direction. You mentioned a moment ago about the the challenges that you receive when you go to fellowship meetings, but what is it about that that is so beneficial, perhaps maybe for you as a pastor, but also for us as a church? What about that is so important? Well, honestly, that's a tough question for me to answer because by and large, God is more concerned about the local church. You know, we've been studying the seven churches of Revelation. God could have written one long letter and said, and to every church, here's what I want. But he didn't. God specifically focused in on individual churches. I believe that's the focus of God. I believe it always has been from the beginning of the church at the day of Pentecost. Mm. And believe it will continue to be throughout the church age. The local church is the most important facet. And so fellowship with other assemblies should never become the priority for us and can even create problems as we've discussed that you go off to other meetings, you go off to other places and you start seeing things that are not the same and people start questioning and it could create a lot of confusion and God's not the author of confusion. So it should not be the priority that we have to go find other churches and somehow it's gotten into our mindset it's kind of been built into Pentecostal people that we've got to have a meeting to go to. We, there are meetings every month. Uh, I heard one preacher say one time you could have a full-time ministry just going to meetings. <laughs> just, just from one meeting to the next, there's always something going on. And I do think we tend to lose focus sometimes. And another thing that happens, quite frankly, is you go to meetings like that and Whoever's preaching feels like he becomes super pastor right. and he can start telling every church what they ought to believe to the point that I've been in meetings when I've heard them get up and make statements that if your pastor doesn't believe it like this, you need to change churches. Okay. That's a wow. dangerous thing because you have just usurped the authority of that local pastor. I've heard them make statements that if your pastor allows this, well, I don't think they said it quite this way, but, but somebody was preaching one time against uh, social media and a preacher sitting next to me, a pastor sitting next to me, a man I greatly respect to this day, jumped up and shouted, if they have the Holy Ghost, they won't do that. So the implication is if they're doing it, they don't have the Holy Ghost. So he's just announced to everybody that's a member of my church in this meeting that their pastor does not have the Holy Ghost. Hmm. Now, I don't think that was his intention, but that is what was said. So there is a danger in making fellowship too important. In fact, one of the, another trend that I'm seeing going on in conservative circles is disfellowshipping men over the lack of fellowship. As crazy as that sounds, if you don't come to our meetings, you don't come to our meetings, then we don't want anything to do with you. 
and they start putting pressure. You've got to come. You've got to bring your church. If you won't show up for our meetings, then we question what's going on in your life and why, why there must be something wrong with you or you'd want to come. Okay. I've, again, I've got a problem. Absolutely. Are you going to let this man be the pastor of his church or not? Right. This is not something that should be happening among us. The positive side is when it's done right and when men understand their limitations, they understand that we are trying to get together to encourage one another, to be a strength to one another, to be a help to one another. I, as a preacher, need someone to preach to me and going off to a meeting, letting someone preach to me and get me into one of those two hour altar calls. Let me lay on my face. Let me search my heart. There's a benefit there that's going to be a blessing to the saints that I pastor. So if it's done right, it can help. Another way that it can help is, especially if it's a small church, you go off to a meeting, you see, hey, there are other people who believe this just like we do. There are other people that are fighting the same battles we're fighting. You hear someone else preach that's not even standing behind your home pulpit, and he starts addressing things, and they say, wow, I didn't know anybody else was having to deal with this right now. So there's positives that can be found in fellowship if it's done properly. There's a lot of negative if it's not. So I don't, I don't want to give the impression that it's essential that we fellowship with others. Now again, if I'm trying to help another church, if I see someone that's hungry to know more, I know men that there are things they don't preach against just because they've never heard it. They've never considered it. But the minute that they did hear someone preach against it, they started praying, they started studying, they started questioning, and it moved them on down the road, and they accepted it, and they started preaching it. I want, I want to be able to have that kind of fellowship where I'm having a positive impact. So that's where the benefits are. But it's not essential. And when we get to the point that we start thinking it's essential outside of the local church, within the local church, we need to fellowship one another. That's where the, the, the whole idea of fellowship really ought to be coming in. And when the Bible talks about they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship, they weren't, this, this wasn't one church fellowshipping another church. There was only one church at this time. And that was the church in Jerusalem. And that was the members of this church in Jerusalem fellowshipping other members of the church in Jerusalem. That's where the fellowship would take place is within the local assembly. And that's where fellowship is necessary. That's where we need one another. We need to strengthen one another. We need to encourage one another. But even then, you get somebody with a wrong attitude, wrong spirit. Somebody's headed the wrong direction that's still setting within the congregation, and fellowship can be a negative thing. And that's where you've got to ask yourself even then, this may be my brother. This may be the person I see at church every week. 
but are they having a negative impact on my walk with God? If so, I don't need to fellowship them. If they're encouraging me or they may not be where I am, if I'm encouraging them and I can see positive movement, they're not having a negative impact on me that I'm going to keep fellowshipping my brother and my sister. That's where fellowship is important, not fellowship among churches. Mm-hmm. So I hope I've made that clear. Yes, sir. It's not I'm against fellowship among other churches. As I said, there are positives. There are benefits. Yeah. But that's not the essential fellowship in our walk with God. This is the last episode in the series titled Fellowship. When we come back together in our next episode, we will have a special guest to discuss his experience being a part of a revival church. Join us next week on Face the Truth. Thank you to everyone who has joined us for today's podcast. We want you to know that we are here to help you in any way we can. If there is anything we can do for you, please don't hesitate to contact us. Send your prayer request to prayer at olaythetruth.com. That's prayer at olaythetruth.com. If you live in the Kansas City metropolitan area, we invite you to join us for our services this week. Sunday morning at 10, Sunday evening at 6, and Tuesday evening at 7.30. For those who cannot attend, we will provide a live stream on our Facebook page, our YouTube page, and our website, olaythetruth.com slash live. Until our next podcast, take care and God bless.